listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, a podcast to help you live an authentic, healthy, and rewarding life. Every two weeks, I have a thoughtful conversation with an ordinary person who is leading an extraordinary life. My conversation today is with Crystal Pomeroy. Crystal and I have just been talking for over an hour, and I think you're going to <laughs> really, <laughs> I think you're going to really like her, as I obviously do. We've had a great connection. Okay, yeah, yeah Crystal is the founder of Vibrational Science, Divine Unblocking, and Angelic Constellation Methods. She lives in Mexico City, and she's a metaphysician, astrologer, and angel communicator. She performs healings from the angelic realm. Crystal has developed the field of angelic intelligence, and that's the title of her upcoming book, which is going to be released by Llewellyn in 2021. Hi, Crystal. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm great, Janine. I'm really highly energized from our uh, conversation that we just had. I know. A wonderful exchange, a wonderful <laughs> interchange. And I'm also grateful and honored to be on your great podcast program. Oh, thank you. Well, and I told you when we were talking that actually before we started talking, I was feeling kind of depressed. And just the connection with you, I feel like you're a soul sister. Um, I, I feel all energized too and, and upbeat and, and, and excited. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I felt like the, the soul sister connection with you too, and yeah. a meeting of minds and spirit. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's see where this conversation goes. Um, I would like to start, I always like to start with people's history a little bit, like, you know, how, and how did you come to be involved in all of this? And from reading the little bit that I have on your website, it sounds like it all starts with your mother, Maya Del Mar. And um, from what you wrote, she really sounds like a fascinating person. I think you were pretty lucky to have her as a mother. What She was a scientist, an activist, a journalist, an astrologer. Yeah, it sounds like she was your, your main influence in, in following the path that you've chosen. Definitely. Yeah, I was very blessed. Maya Del Mar, who I've got her picture here right now. <laughs> she we, So one time we got um, a, a life uh, card reading with this uh, Egyptian deck and um, it uh, the for the relationship. And she came out as my cosmic gift. And I definitely uh, feel that way about her because she was um, very, very brilliant. And um, her perspective on life was alternative in many ways. It was naturally alternative. Like from the time I was a little girl, I remember that I thought spiders were scary. She would say she was a biologist. And um, that at that time in her life, that besides being a, um, a housewife and mother was central. She later took a much more um, a broader approach to life and knowledge. But at that time, she said, well, um, there really aren't uh, almost any spiders that are uh, venomous in in this area. And uh, they're really wonderful little beings. And uh, she, you know, showed me to taught me to let the spider walk on my hands and uh, said about how they would go after uh, the flies and uh, did the same thing with snakes, taught me to hold snakes uh, of almost any kind. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't afraid of snakes either. And you were telling uh, me about your um, 
activity as in the wildlife rescue area. I volunteered as a child on her suggestion at a wildlife recovery uh, science museum mm-hmm. and um, had a chance to interact with some of the animals there. And this was... Um, just like one tiny example of how, since I was a small child, she would be opening windows of different perspectives and sort of uh, pulling me out of um, mundane ideas into a wider viewpoint. And as something I've, I wrote on her once um, said that having her as a mother was like being born with a, a bedroom window that went onto a galaxy. Oh, wow. You were very lucky, I think. Yeah, very, very fortunate. And uh, this didn't mean that my childhood was all easy. She shared a lot of knowledge with me from an uh, early age. She she got into studying a lot of mm-hmm. things. She was an avid reader and also a teacher. And uh, so she would have me like when I was, you know, eight years old. And we used to talk a whole lot. I mean, she was my accomplice and my, what? how do you say it in English? I'm thinking in Spanish now, my, uh, co- my like my co-conspirator. And um, <laughs> she would... Um, share like uh, in, uh, information about writing down your intentions and dream interpretation. And uh, I've, I've always been pretty intuitive. And she, when I was uh, eight, between eight and a half to 10, her and her friends would consult me for my viewpoints on uh, dream, their dreams that they had. And there was a lot of exchange of positive information, but it wow. was definitely precipitated for me by this wealth of knowledge. And then uh, she would connect him with me with teachers. She would go uh, study with um, Joseph Campbell, who was a friend of hers with oh, um, yeah. uh, assorted uh, wonderful teachers. And she would uh, take me with her. And it was uh, sort of like became a natural part of uh, my language at home. And then in my mindset, mm. uh, these different perspectives and understanding of archetypes and uh, energies that are alternative um, to the material world. And this upbringing, I didn't really realize at the time how much it was going to have to do with my eventual direction. But it was was mm-hmm. a very cosmic window. There were difficult dynamics too at home. Um, my dad was alcoholic, and as I say in the at the beginning of my book, um, there he was sexually abusive of my sisters and I. And I really mm-hmm. all of that. Of, of course, I wouldn't choose consciously to live through it. But if that was like the the price I had to pay to right. have a mom like mine and all these windows that she opened for me, I would um, definitely choose it again. It was it was worth it. It's been worth mm-hmm. it because through the spiritual mm-hmm. knowledge and learning about how to work with my own thoughts and and forgiveness and um, visualization and a more cosmic viewpoint, I was able to move through a lot of issues of healing um, in a way that ended up being uh, greatly empowering. And actually, mm-hmm. in my current life, um, I can say that one of my activities is literally as a miracle worker with my unblocking and healing treatments and people that I teach to do this. Uh, I teach others also to to work with their energy that way. And it's all it's all work together for good, even the difficult, the sadder parts. Mhm. Mhm. Now, did you grow up in Mexico? Where did you where did no, you No, I grew up in Marin County. Um, oh, okay. Yep. I was mm-hmm. born in San Francisco and um 
I decided at a young age, uh, also because of my mom's influence, uh, she had a copy of the U.S. Constitution laying around the house, and she used to get newsletters from uh, ACLU. Mm -hmm. And um, so I decided I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer And uh, when I was still in grade school. And so I had this plan, and I was doing it. I was going along doing it and um, went to UC Berkeley. And then I came to Mexico for a year abroad and... Uh, as I as I say, abroad went abroad for a year. This contact with Mexico sort of started changing my life uh, direction, and also the the way politics was going in the states. It seemed to me um, like it would it might end up being frustrating for idealistic people to be trying to do things in the public sphere mm-hmm. as I had originally um, planned to do, and. So I studied opera for a while. I love um, music. Mm-hmm. And I also had a business that was uh, very successful applying metaphysical principles. And then I realized that what really, what I really wanted to do was to share what would really move me and seem like a new life mission for me would be to share spiritual principles that I had learned myself and applied myself with other people, that that would be like uh, something that would fascinate me. And then mm-hmm. my life started taking a, a new direction after that point. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that came to me while I was in Mexico. Okay. So you do a lot of work with angels, yes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right as you're asking me this, the, the time on the clock down here is 444. <laughs> which is like an angel number, right? As you're asking that. Interesting. Okay. I know I get uh, constantly, I get like one, 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 five, 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 four, four, four. It's, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. I'm never quite sure what to make of it. Cause I've heard different things. If you have an explanation, I would love to hear it. And I'm sure the listeners were, but for me, I always, I mean, every day, multiple times I'm getting three or four numbers. I know one day, I, not too long ago, I looked at the stats uh, for the podcast and there was uh, the the last like four numbers were all fours or five of them. I think there were five. I took a screenshot of it. Um, wow. And, and I'm always, and somebody once said that to, to pay attention to what you're thinking of when you, when you see that, but I, I don't know, that hasn't, hasn't really resonated with me. What are your thoughts on the numbers and any significance they have? Okay. Well, I had a situation that was really a very big test for me that was um, part of what got me to really deeply get into applying medical, uh, medical, uh, metaphysical (laughs) principles. Okay. And so it, I I worked on it a whole lot with uh, angel connections and letters to angels and um, deep forgiveness and uh, self-love and a whole lot of positive prayer. And um, this this went on for quite some time. It was actually kind of a process of uh, spiritual initiation I later (laughs) discovered. And because we're often guided from directly and we're taught also from the subtle realms. And Mm -hmm. so anyway, when the miracle finally consolidated, I was on a trip. um, I had traveled to the U S from Mexico and 
immediately when I got off uh, the plane, everything started being triple numbers. And this was before there was this uh, popular knowledge about um, triple numbers being related to angels. And But I noticed it right away. And I thought, uh, I'm being told something. I mean, it was too much to be a coincidence. Like, mm-hmm license plates, like, you know, one out of 20 license plates had a triple that I would see would have the, and the one right in front of me uh, Mm -hmm. would have the triple numbers. And the time that I got into the van that picked us up at the airport, it was 3.33, Mm -hmm. just when we got in. And it it went on in this trip. And since then, this has become a phenomenon that a lot of people are talking about and experiencing. And I'm not saying I'm an expert on defining what it is, but I have read about it. But what my personal perception is, is that there are a set of higher laws that can overcome, uh, prevail over physical laws, the laws of the world of appearances, as I call it, the laws of time and space and the physical realm, which are not absolute laws. And that when we are making these connections vibrationally, oftentimes without knowing it, we are open to this connection with higher laws that are there saying, we're coming through, we're coming through from a higher realm, and we're touching you. And um, so I don't take it so much as like what's going on in my mind right now as as the angel saying, we're there with you. That makes more sense to me, actually. <clears throat> so anyway, that I think that that's a big message for you, Janine, that <laughs> um, you are getting tangible feedback from the higher realm, that they are there with you. Mm-hmm. They're very much there. And you were saying you want a tangible feedback and you're getting it right now. That mm-hmm. That is because uh, it's quite amazing. I, I would say that's quite amazing that the, the numbers can can work out that way. And there it's the angelic intention saying they are there with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I've thought uh, maybe, you know, maybe my, my, my subconscious mind knows to look, you know, at the clock or something, but it's not always just the clock. It's uh, I, I find that, you know, there are lots of different avenues that the triple or four numbers show up for me. Yeah, the, uh, I would say don't doubt. I mean, the the doubting mind, this is part of the program that we have. It's not it's not bad that our doubting mind because it makes us ask questions, but it, it it can also be a way that we get hooked into um, limitation mm-hmm. and cut off from our intuitive connection. So I, I definitely would not doubt. I mean, I've had a lot of palpable experiences of uh, double, triple, and more numbers lined up, and so have a lot of other people right now. And that's because the angels are working a whole lot, and that people are having a vibrational change. I mean, I, I know it may be sound corny. Uh, it may sound corny, but there is a vibrational change going on right now with humanity, and there is this lifting up of the uh, b- vibrational field and consciousness, and this is allowing these angelic connections to go on in more than one way. And this is one of the ways that we're we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. So there, are two, you've mentioned two things that I really want to get into. One is the angels, angelic intel, what you call angelic intelligence. How you how you started connecting with the angels, where they come from. You know, just kind of getting into all of that. And then also the vibrational change that's happening right now. So whichever one you want to start with and move into the other one, however you want to handle that, let's let's talk about that. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, the 
In terms of angelic intelligence, um, we've we've heard of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and financial and all these different kinds of faculties that we have. And there's uh, psychic intelligence has also been uh, spoken of. And the angelic intelligence is like a level of cognition that is connected directly to a higher realm, which is the realm of light beings. And we all have this like in in uh, potential. We've all got the circuits, so to speak. And mm-hmm. the circuits are connected to our light being, our light self that is not just the brain, although there are special centers in the brain that were familiar to very ancient Egyptian teachers and healers. And mm. at the same time, our light body is actually part of the circuitry of this higher intelligence. And by activating our light body and and every time we work on our mind to lift it to a higher perspective and we do um, positive prayer, which I distinguish from the, the like the prayer of sacrifice or the prayer of trying to get something or somebody to do ah, something okay. for us instead mm-hmm. of changing our own uh, perspective, mm-hmm. we, then we are, we are doing this anyway. We're precipitating these, the connection with higher wavelengths. And um, as we turn to the angels for help in this process and support, they, because we have free will, they can more easily lift us onto this higher wavelength, which begins also to activate the circuits of our light body. Mm-hmm. So our entire our wavelength becomes, uh, be, it takes a dramatic shift. Like humanity's wavelength in general is is going through a shift. Despite all of the uh, dubious situations that are part of human behavior that we can see collectively and individually right now, there and even in ourselves in terms of mm-hmm. the voices, uh, going, uh, diverse tendencies going on in our own minds, the wavelength in general is being lifted through lots of spiritual work and the natural uplifting impulse that's in our in our light heart that is moving us to um, a higher perspective and to a return to connection with the divine and connection to love and also the angels are helping us in in this shift so this is already going on anyway but when we involve them more specifically and directly. They will um, help us precipitate this process much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, this process that's happening, I know you're a gifted, accomplished astrologer. Um, you said what, you've been doing astrology since you were 12? <laughs> yeah, yeah. my mom was an astrologer. Wow. She uh, moved into astrology and then she taught me, she tutored me for a couple of years. And my first uh, chart that I did professionally was um, at 15. Wow, that's awesome. So the, this vibrational change, does this have an, ast- is this an astrological influence or is this something that's just kind of going on in the evolution of humanity or is it a combination or like what's happening? <laughs> well, the astrology ha- has a lot of archetypes mm-hmm. and there are many labels. It's, it's nice that you ask this question. I'm going to use it to kind of get up on my soapbox. Astrology is, I think, stuck in some limiting labels, and it becomes a way, another way that humans project their power, so to speak, onto the stars rather than claiming it for ourselves. Okay. And a lot of astrologers still are in this. Fortunately, less and less astrologers, but 
in sort of this medieval tendency of saying that things are bad or hard because the stars have meted out these uh, difficult, challenging karmic lessons to us. That's um, a way of understanding the stars that I tend to defer from. So uh, as a healer, I choose to focus on the patterns that are help us and that we can work with constructively. Mm -hmm. And one of the patterns um, that I think was a major shift is the entrance of Neptune into Pisces, which happened around um, 1847, at the same time that that Neptune was discovered. And it it was actually discovered first by a medium who uh, wrote a book. um, His first name was Andrew. I I need to remember his last name. But he wrote a book about Neptune. And then a couple of years later, it was discovered. And it was in Pisces at the time, which Neptune rules. So it was a this was a very psychic emergence. And Mm. Along with the discovery of Neptune, we have this beginning of the spiritualist movement in the U.S. and of a lot of um, medium-centered mm-hmm. activities and channeling and a lot of healing, spiritual healing. This is when the whole mind healing movement became strong in the States, which didn't have the kind of religious strictures that Europe had at the time. And so mm-hmm. there was a lot more freedom to go into what pe- whatever people were attracted to. And one of the things that people ended up being attracted to was mind healing, which is also a Neptunian kind of activity. And then uh, Helena Blavatsky, soon after that, uh, I think she was um, working around that time, born not too too long before, and then she introduced all of the philosophies from different parts of the world into her books, like mm-hmm. um, Isis Unveiled, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. started Theosophy, which also really opened up the the spiritual perspectives and made of the U.S. at that time, like a a center of opening of a different kind of spirituality that wasn't so strict with dogmas or um, confined to dogmas. Mm -hmm. And that led to in um, 1893, this conference of different philosophies that was held in Chicago that was a really important event. And um, there was a Neptune aspect then. I I can't remember if it was um, a conjunction with uh, Jupiter or Pluto. I'll have to look into that again because I I wrote something about that some years ago. But that also was um, an opening in the spirituality movement because it was a shifting from following a dogma or feeling guilty about going or not going to church and being able to explore more universal and inward centered traditions mm-hmm. with a fusion of Eastern and Western and kind of just this general opening to looking towards different cultures and uh, ancestral uh, beliefs instead mm-hmm. of just whatever the uh, local institutional authority said that you could think about the divine. And so this was a really important shift. And now a lot Mm -hmm. of people talk about this being related to the age of Aquarius, but that is um, something there's quite a bit of false information about because the age of Aquarius is actually related to when the sun will cross over the elliptic in the sign of Aquarius, this is a change that will mark 2,000 years since the age of Pisces began, approximately 2,000 years, mm-hmm. a little more. 
And it's actually going to take place later in this century. But people are always kind of looking, you know, uh, hither and yon for, oh, this is the beginning of the age of Aquarius and the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn that happened yesterday Mm -hmm. on uh, solstice. Some are saying this is the beginning of the age of Aquarius because it was in zero degrees Aquarius and it's a conjunction that takes place every 20 years and it's called the Great Conjunction and so forth. And they moved out of Capricorn, which has been part of the heaviness that we experienced in uh, this year that's now ending mm-hmm. at uh, Jupiter Ed. with Saturn and Pluto in, in Capricorn, and which is a sign of mastery and of challenges and of systems with a lot of changes in different kinds of systems. So the entrance of Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius, a lot of people relate this to the beginning of the age of Aquarius. But even though that's not quite on target with uh, astrology, and it is a little bit um, sensationalistic, because it might not all be that easy with Saturn involved, there's always going to be, we need to work, we're going to have to work Mm -hmm. hard to get Mm -hmm. the benefits of of Jupiter and the benefits Aquarius will offer in this case, inner and outer work, it is a, a shift, it's definitely a shift. And uh, what I suggested in uh, Daykeeper Journal, which I collaborate with predictions and affirmations according to the the days and the influences, is mm-hmm. that we decide to make our own personal age of Aquarius because uh, that's another thing about astrology, just like any other uh, discipline that's inward related, mm-hmm. um, we can involve ourselves. I, I believe in interactive astrology. Or what my sister Susan, who's the editor of the magazine, calls, uh, she calls my astrology affirmative astrology. Mm. And so if we like take the reins of our intentionality and decide we're going to make our own new age, then we can, um, and, and enough of us do this, we're going to set up a chain reaction where uh, we're, we're going to stop waiting for there to be uh, the right time for uh, a big shift to happen and, and be co-creators in it taking place now through each one of us. Wow. Now that feels really important to me because I think there is a tendency, and and I I know I've done it, you know, like, when are things going to change? When are things going to change? You know, when is it going to get better? And what you're saying is we have to do it ourselves. We have to take the reins. It's not an external influence. It, It has to come from within us. Is that what you're saying? Definitely. And in when it comes to Aquarius, Aquarius is the sign of humanity of the of the masses and so mm. uh, it it's logical and it's also a sign of uniqueness and one of the themes of your program which is authenticity mm-hmm. and so when we connect with what our authentic expression is and what a new age for us personally means then we're automatically um, uh, activating a vibration that's going to allow a different set of energies in and Mm -hmm. make it empowering an empowering experience to be involved with this shift. Mm -hmm. Now I can imagine someone listening saying, I agree completely with that. How do I do it? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Well, um, just simply thinking about what does a new age uh, mean to me? And with all the challenges we've been going through collectively in 2020, One of the things it can mean, I mean, for me personally, and that might other people might also resonate with, would be to say that 
I don't, I'm not living in an age that's determined by outside factors, but in an age that's, that I'm choosing based on the beliefs that I cultivate and strengthen in my own awareness, because this opens portals to expressions that aren't, don't have to have this energy of fear and of being stuck that have been so emphasized in the media during this last year and through the world of appearances, as I call it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So getting, getting a handle on what it is you'd like to see in the world, what you want to see in the world, how you want it to be different and internalizing that, would that be? Yeah, I would say choosing for oneself first because everybody has free will Mm -hmm. and we can make invitations And yes, we can change our perception. One of the things I learned about Kuan Yin as I was preparing my book, Mm -hmm. Angelic Intelligence, is that, I mean, most people probably know that Kuan Yin is the oriental goddess of compassion. And so she's this archetype of the sacred feminine as love, as a a kind of a universal healing love, because she's also a goddess of healing. Mm -hmm. But in ancient times, she was invoked not just to heal with her love, but to use her magical perception. And that's actually a quote, that that particular phrase, magical perception. Yes, would you define that? Yeah, uh, to, through her perception, be able to heal others as in, and I can say this as a healer with a lot of experience and a whole lot of um, wonderful healings that I've seen and uh, been a channel for that when we look at people and events through the eyes of the divine or from a higher perspective, then our gaze in itself becomes a channel for healing, an active channel for healing. So uh, to give an example of that, if um, somebody says, this is, this is one thing I've been affirming in one of my, my, ongoing virtual groups, which we have many of right now, mm-hmm. that uh, this is not a, a period, a difficult period. It's not a difficult period because it's really a divine period. Mm-hmm. And because the only true power is the divine and the divine is a loving power. So it would never be opening difficult periods for, for me or for others. It would be opening cycles that are beneficial because the true periods of my life are actually made by love with love and filled with this kindness that only produces good. So I'm taking into account, I'm giving my attention to the higher perspective that this is a period of, of good, of great good. And this is true for others too. I can also see this as being true for another that they, for instance, saying somebody is in that. I love that um, phrase that's used when we say somebody's in a good place Mm -hmm. in their life. You know, it means Mm -hmm. like a good place mentally and a good place on how they feel about themselves and a good place with how, how life is working for them. And Mm -hmm. we can take that a step further and say that there somebody's in a divine space. Mm. This person cannot be in a, a bad place because either physically or mentally or professionally or financially, because they're actually in a divine place, the only true place they can be in, because the divine is all powerful and it's also loving. So it would only make a divine place 
for this person wherever they happen to be. They're actually in a divine place. So everything in the place they're in is working for them. It's benefiting them. Their mind is helping them and supporting them. Their vibrations are helping them. Their The world around them is helping them and supporting them. So it's a change of perspective that's going mm-hmm. to open a door to a force that is omnipotent and it's kind, infinitely kind, and it it will transmute circumstances, literally, and lift our experience up onto a higher level, which is actually a level of divine reality. Interesting. I really, really like that perspective, and that just makes so much sense for me. So I'm trying to think now, though, like someone who's like really having a challenging time, and which is not that hard to think of right now, but let's, (laughs) you know, um, but let's just say, um, and, and let me know if you don't want to do this, but I'm trying to think, so let's say someone who maybe they've lost their job. Um, they're really concerned about, you know, what's going to happen to them next, uh, how they're going to, how they're going to handle things, how they're going to be, what might be a a way for them to to switch themselves into this perspective. Uh-huh. Well, first of all, one thing that I have sort of retrieved because it was something that early metaphysicians and we say early metaphysicians we're talking about Emma Curtis Hopkins who's considered the forgotten founder of new thought and mm-hmm. other and her many of her students and colleagues at this time of uh, talking about late 19th, early 20th century, um, that's something that's kind of been left by the wayside, which is the power of denial and affirmative denial, which means denying either directly or indirectly uh, any sort of limitation. And because Mm. that closes the door of one's mind to what seems to be holding us down and opens the door to allow infinite good to flow in and transfigure situations. And some people don't like to use um, affirmative denial. And uh, neuro-linguistic programming um, has taught that our mind doesn't absorb negatives. Right. And when, and I can see that from one perspective, if they're used um, unconsciously or with like an, an attachment, like a fear-based attachment, like saying, mm-hmm. okay, I, I, I can't stand the idea of being poor, but really it's like, I'm saying this in fear. So I'm kind of unconsciously attached to poverty. I can see where that would uh, end up being counterproductive. But mm-hmm. when we do it with our divine authority, which is, and, and I really appreciate your invitation as a chance to mention this, which I've been meditating and um, deepening in my own work and teaching recently, and particularly in in the last few days, getting a lot of feedback of information about it, that Mm -hmm. we have this authority, we have this Christ authority, which the the Christ, as I think it was, um, Rudolf Steiner said, was the Christ is not really our divine self, our divine self is something more general. The Christ is specifically the part of ourself that becomes strengthened through living uh, with challenges or adversity and and, um, is actually there from the time we're born. We have to learn to first uh, 
stand up and walk, you know, overcome mm -hmm. gravity. This is a challenge. And so uh, there are other metaphors for how one through life's challenges has an ongoing process of becoming stronger on both outer and, and later when we're older, especially inner ways. And this, this strength in our stance, the inner stance of saying, um, I refuse to accept that something could cut me off from my good, say. Mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is a way of closing the door on negative possibilities and potentialities mm -hmm. and opening the door to the inflow of unlimited good, which can do anything because it's, it can't be just as, as the term says, which is also, it also encloses a denial. When we say unlimited, the, the prefix un is denying that it can be limited or infinite. Mm -hmm. It can't be infinite mm -hmm. and so forth. And so when we affirm like that and with strength, we're, we, we close the door that situations that seem frightening to us um, will otherwise keep open and allow anxiety and fear and lower vibrational thought fields to be sort of holding us down. And so affirming with that inner strength is uh, important and also denying the appearance. In fact, I treated a woman just yesterday who had been through some experiences of loss with her marriage in which the husband had, uh, with, along with a divorce settlement, kicked her out of the house and taken away her car. And, uh, yeah. she, and uh, then she lost her marriage and so forth. Yeah. So there was this strong feeling of loss. And then she had made an investment that she was considered a high risk investment. She ended up losing the money. Mm. And, um, one of the things that I affirmed about that is that her good could not be lost because, her good comes from spirit who is not leaving her open to circumstances or events that could take away what has been given to her. So uh, that is one way of like healing the, the idea of loss and then and opening the door to divine restoration mm -hmm. as just like a simple example mm -hmm. of something you said, like if a person has lost their job and of course there've been a lot of experiences of loss during 2020 for people. Right. So the whole, of divine restoration and acknowledgement of this uh, loving, infinite source that is always working to restore and to sustain our good. And when we can disconnect our perception from the exterior events in the material world and connect it more and more to this higher realm, we allow that realm to set things straight in the world of appearances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think that's a good point because oftentimes I've wondered with all that's been going on, it seems to me like the planet really needs uh, <laughs> needs a lot of changes. You know, there's a lot of greed, a lot of intolerance, um, a lot of fear, people being controlled, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it seems that oftentimes humanity needs a real kick in the pants to make changes. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't seem to do it voluntarily on our own. It's got like you got to hit rock bottom or something before you, you know, before you make a a a, a good change. And uh -huh. I don't know. Maybe that's part of what's going on, or an aspect. Well, well, it's interesting that you say um, that you were asking about astrology and use that term rock bottom. It you actually give some insight, I think, with that 
comparison to what the experience of Pluto and Capricorn has been, because Pluto is deeply transformative. It went in in 2008. I predicted in Daykeeper that Obama would win the presidency because uh, uh, Capricorn is associated with the color black and Pluto is the planet of power. And it has been bringing us through shadows in one way or another since it went into Capricorn. And I don't mean this as a political reference. I mean it as, although it has ramifications in a lot of areas, rather than as a personal experience that um, Capricorn is also the sign of mountains and the sign of rocks. And so, and Pluto brings us deeply into stuff to explore things deeply. And, and it can all, it can often precipitate crisis experiences that lead us to have to face things that we otherwise wouldn't have the will to deal with and to um, explore ways of awakening our heroic potential. And so what you just said about Pluto and and rock, I mean, I think it really works well with uh, Pluto and Capricorn, your, your reminder of having to hit rock bottom. And I think that's been uh, a shared experience for a lot of people mm-hmm. in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it just felt like that. I mean, it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole answer, but it's an aspect of, of what's going on. Yeah, I, that's, that's for definitely, I agree. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also important to remember that the the world of appearances, what we consider reality, usually what we call reality, the being the, the what's tangible to the physical senses mm-hmm. is not really the ultimate reality. It's not even real from a divine perspective because it's a world that can potentially be threatening, a world in which we have to apparently fight to survive, a world in which lots of things go on that uh, one asks, you know, how did I end up here? I mean, on this planet at this time in this incarnation, I don't, I don't really think I have that much in common with the other inmates. And So, I mean, with some of the other inmates anyway, and, um, so, and I think a lot of us don't, I think a lot of us have good hearts. I mean, I think a lot of human beings have, uh, uh, their hearts in the right place and are experiencing mm-hmm. this desire to, for an upward shift and, and to truly evolve. And as we remember that this, uh, world of appearances of apparent physical reality is really not, um, a decisive place. It's not decisive in terms of our true being, and it's definitely not decisive in terms of supposed death which is actually uh, just a change of clothing, a change of vehicle, so to speak, a change Mm -hmm. from one physical body into another form of incarnation that is actually a rebirth. And the ancestral cultures recognized this. And that's where the whole tradition of putting flowers on graves and everything started, because through the flowers, we're recognizing what's blossoming on the other side as the physical is left behind. And so I know- interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And particularly white flowers. Mm -hmm. And like there was a, the Greek goddess uh, Kor, among other goddesses, ancient goddesses were goddesses of- growth and goddesses of flowers. And they were also goddesses of death because it wasn't like, oh, you know, death is natural. We all have to die. That was part of it. But it was like death is a gateway to a rebirth. That was um, like a common Mm -hmm. understanding in many ancestral cultures. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to angels for a minute. Where do 
where do angels come from? Like, is it a, a, a race or are there angels from different races out there, intelligences? Or I've often wondered, you know, where, where do angels come from? Why are they here? Oh, well, those, those are really a vast question. I know, I know. Just kind of pick and choose. <laughs> right. But it, they're, they're also very interesting that from the standpoint that we associate often angels with religion. Mm-hmm. And it's part of the iconography of religion um, to these winged beings. And angels in terms of earth history are actually go back. Uh, to very ancient times in which people had ongoing contact with light beings, with beings um, on a higher realm. That is not the astral realm. The astral realm is uh, inhabited by all kinds of beings. And Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily, it's more like one of the bars in Star Wars or something. It's not, (laughs) it's not, um, necessarily uh, a place that we want to be making a lot of connections with. The the angels are closer to the divine and they have a purpose in relationship to humanity and to other incarnate beings because there are angels for all different species and um, mm-hmm. certainly for all different planets and different parts of the galaxy and so, and so forth that are working to to help lift us up it's kind of like you with your work with the wild animals that you were telling me about where Mm -hmm. you would uh volunteer and this gives you a lot of joy to uh help um the animals that need it and this is like an angelic kind of impulse that is that's motivating these light beings to Mm -hmm reach out to those of us who are still more trapped in the appearances of the physical realm and all of the programming that our physical bodies have and our in our human genetics and the entities that are trying to hold us in lower vibrations through these different genetic and, and physical programs. And they're working with us to help us. They're they're like incarnations of, of helpful energy. When I was studying metaphysics, which was before I got more deeply into angels, uh, they teach that angels are divine thoughts more than individualized beings. They're, they're divine thoughts that are continually flowing to us. But then I eventually came to understand that they are individualized beings and that love to serve and, this is an expression of um, divine activity for them and that are working to assist us. And there are many different kinds of angels. In the pre-patriarchal cultures, we find a lot of similar energies incarnated as goddesses that would help for numerous things like the goddess Isis, who was a goddess of love and specifically interested in helping families and and matrimonies. But she was also a goddess of healing and a goddess that helped awaken the light body. So she was related to the portal we call death 
and moving on to the beyond in a new body, a new light body. And her, her beneficence, this generalized beneficence that was not mixed with unpleasant or violent impulses like the, in sometimes the God of the Old Testament is, is a, like very much in resonance with angels. And she particularly resonates with uh, the archangel Chemuel. But different goddesses that incarnated these helpful, powerful energies in one way or another are, are also manifestations of the same groups of energy, like in Mexico, the jaguar. It was a very strong protector and still is called on by certain groups here. And the jaguar is, is connected to Archangel Michael, who is a divine protector and who has that courage uh -huh. that can help cut through difficult situations and cut away negative experiences in the psychic realms and the vibrational realms in our own minds and in the physical also. And so uh, Michael is connected to the Jaguar and Michael is connected to an ancient pre-Buddhist Tibetan uh, goddess named uh, Simha Mukha. The, the relationship to her is really striking because she also carries a weapon as does he. She's also related to col the color blue in one of her manifestation. She also guards over cremation grounds, which are cemeteries, like as does Michael, which are portals of transition between worlds and are also uh, portals of uh, spiritual rebirth. Um, she also overcomes or vanquishes low vibrational energies and fights for us in the realm of the unseen in ways that oftentimes one feels that that we can't handle by ourselves. And you were asking about people that have been through experiences of loss during this last year. That would certainly be a kind of example of situations in which we feel just overwhelmed and I'm trying to be upbeat, but I just can't do this myself, um, calling on Archangel Michael and his colleagues in the light realm um, will open us to receive uh, protective and freeing forces that can do work that we can't handle by ourselves. That sounds like a very good thing for people to be doing right now. So, so you're saying Archangel Michael can be very helpful. Any of the others that uh, you feel would be a good connection? Yeah, well, for there. Right you mean in terms of archangels or in terms of um... just angels in general, or 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 beings uh, on the other side who are, you know, would could particularly help right now with. Uh, what people are going through. Right. Well, Archangel Michael is an archetype that's very easily um, accessible to the Western mind. And his archetype of as a warrior who's victorious over anything that's happening in the subtle dimensions is very useful to visualize as an ally that can overcome states like depression or fear or anxiety or sense of loss or anything that we're working on ourselves that seems to be um, sort of holding us back or 
um, enslaving us in lower vibrations. Asking uh, Michael to help break us out of that is just like very simply saying, um, Archangel Michael, please cut away. I like to mention his sword sometimes, which is a, a wonderful archetype of divine victory and uh, freedom. Cut away any sort of um, energies or mind states that seem to be holding me down. And um, angels are really great at this kind of thing. They're good for a lot of different kinds of support and help. But when it comes to inner work, the response tends to be surprisingly quick and effective. And there are other ways that can seem um, a little bit more advanced or require a bit more time, like inviting Michael and his hosts into our space and visualizing a bunch of blue angels or uh, angels are really sentient force fields that can take on the anthropomorphic form if that works better for us. But we can also, if it's hard to see them that way for some people to see them with wings and so forth, we can see this force field of blue shining light moving into our space and moving through every corner and all over the space and uh, asking as we do this for the angels of divine victory, Michael and his hosts or Michael and faith, which is the name of his divine complement, his feminine complement, Michael and faith and their divine host to move through our space and free it from any kind of lower vibrations or uh, patterns of conflict or or of fear. And this is a very easy and effective way to cleanse the energy of our space. Mm-hmm. And w- it's important as we do this to visualize them moving, the these angels to move through all the different rooms, every single room, even into closets and stuff, because sometimes low vibrational entities will quote unquote hide out in... Uh, a closet or hide out in a, <laughs> a pantry. And uh, uh-huh. so to, to actually open the doors and to visualize this going on throughout the whole uh, house or the whole apartment or whatever office or wherever we're trying to um, free the energy and then ending up around our own bed or around our uh, loved one's bed if we're if we feel that they need a particular freeing experience uh, and asking them to then cut away and, and imagine Archangel Michael coming up and and using his sword to, to moving it around us with a kind of a slicing movement all around us cutting away any sort of psychic uh, parasites that may be trying to hold us down. And this exercise is actually quite freeing and um, often cuts through bad dreams or, or nightmares or insomnia and that sort of thing, because we're interacting with fields of entities all the time. Okay. It's where when we look at the what's going on around us and we think, OK, you know, this is a, a I'm a rational being and I understand that this is just a, a physical space and this is just air that fills my house and so forth. But actually, we're living with and interacting with all kinds of different force fields and a lot of them are not at all pleasant and Michael will help overcome and free us from those that are sort of like too much for us to deal with personally and and does it pretty quickly. 
Cool. Oh, thank you, Crystal, for sharing that because I think that's that's a great um, I'll call it a ceremony or, or a little activity that um, people can easily do to just help clear the energy, help get a lot of just negative vibrations out of their space and out of themselves. Yeah. Um, tell, I mean, let me know if I, I tend to like, I get excited about this, uh, these kind of topics and I sort of tend to go on and on. So just <laughs> let me know if I, I need to start to stop to breathe or let other people breathe when I'm talking about it. But yeah, it's a very freeing energy and, um, an overcoming kind of energy. And each, each archangel does have their specialty and, but it, specifically in terms of the difficult times that we seem to be going through the angels of protection. I mean, you don't even have to know an archangel's name because there are angels for everything. Every, every divine kind of help we could use. Like I have this prayer group where we are praying 24 hours a day. We take, uh, each of us has a shift, so to speak, and we're doing, um, scientific prayer for the children of the world, because there are a lot of things going on with children right now that are, that are, um, uh, quite, um, disturbing. Mm -hmm. And there are reports that we get about children being, uh, kidnapped or used for the organ industry or abused and, um, so on. Of course, it's not really new. A lot of this has been going on for a long time, but, um, it hasn't gotten any better recently. And although the news attention is going to other topics around, uh, COVID, a lot of this stuff is, um, is also worthy of attention, the kind of attention we try to give is in positive prayer. So anyway, resorting to the light beings and affirming, like, um, for instance, I remember that there used to be in Marin County, a child protection service. And so it comes to my mind that you can affirm there's a divine child protection service that is working all the time and it is able to touch every circumstance and every child everywhere and intervene in whatever way is necessary to lift them to freedom and to a space of love and, and care and protection. And so we transmute the idea. We work with our own mind and we also ask uh, Archangel Michael uh, to lift, to intervene in these situations and lift our prayers to their highest potency so that they can be used by infinite good that moves in when we contemplate it, as we were discussing earlier, and literally reaches in to situations around the world and does this work of freeing and protection and transfiguring of the situations of children around the world. And it's a, it's a quite a joyous kind of service and it's also an angelic kind of activity. So as we're going through these difficult times to think of ways in which we can apply our own angelic spirit and our compassion to groups or people that we see going through difficult experiences through things like making a prayer donation, a positive prayer donation, or using some of our inner work in relationship to the collective and calling on the angels of protection to support this, or the angels specifically of child protection, or the angels of guidance to uh, touch those who are dealing with children and um, refocus their mindset. All of these activities are really positive ways of participating in collective help and powerful ways. It's not, it's not just like, okay, I can't really do anything. So at least I'll pray. No, I mean, prayer is the most 
one of the most powerful human activities that exists. And when we open those doors with faith and we really experience that conscious connection, we can be sure that situations will be uh, transmuted. And we've had um, some feedback, like uh, one of the participants in the group is a psychologist that works in an, a public orphanage in Mexico City, one of the biggest of its kind in Mexico. It's part of a national network of orphanages. And in these orphanages, uh, many times there are reports of the workers being abusive to the children or if people give gifts to the children and they take away their gifts or they steal their gifts or they're tough on the children and they're very inhumane. Of course, not all of them, but uh, many of the workers who see this just as a job and they actually feel put upon to have to be doing anything extra to help or to be try to be supportive of the children in any way. And so she would share these stories with us and it would upset her and because she has a lovely heart and she's working with true vacation in this place. But there were a lot of things she couldn't do very much about. So we took this project uh, on for several weeks with the prayer group and calling upon Michael to intervene and with with the situation and with the workers to correct this and also using po a lot of positive prayers specifically for the children in this orphanage and other similar orphanages. And um, all kinds of changes happened. I mean, um, at first, somebody on uh, in the management level that didn't actually relate specifically I mean, a woman who didn't actually go to this orphanage physically, but was involved with the administrative aspect, um, made some sort of a group call to to reform and supervise the working so that it would be actually more of a service orientation on the part of the personnel. And then some of the personnel uh, got pissed off by this and called in uh, the union. And then there, this is made the whole thing become more visible and then um, new policies were announced that were and, and existing policies that weren't actually actively adhered to be, came into relief and um, they started making new requirements of the workers and having more uh, direction in that respect. And then also many of the workers spontaneously uh, changed their attitude. And so... This woman, Catalina Vicente, who's the psychologist that had first shared this with us, was um, delighted to share these different reports as the progress, the divine progress, so to speak, appeared. And she shared what ended up being a total trans, um, transformation of the, the workings of this particular orphanage that became much more positive and um, kinder for for the children and wow. yeah thank you for giving a concrete example because i do think that there's more of a sense of well i can't i i can't really do anything so i'll i'll prayer oh oh yes 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 it's amazing yeah it is and i felt like this what was going on with this orphanage was an exciting opportunity to try diverse tactics with the prayer strategies and see what really made the change. I mean, if this was actually going to make a concrete change, because like you said, that's when we're getting the feedback that's telling us that the approach that we're using in prayer is working. 
And so the angels make a big difference in it. I mean, one of the things that we added to, I added to the strategy and because I've, I've been directing a lot of this is, um, the asking the angels to help. And in this case, writing to Archangel Michael and asking for his intervention and in specific things where protection and liberation is required. And then including our own affirmative prayers in the letter about the situation that this combination, this is what's really exciting to me about angelic intelligence is it's not just calling on the angels and is not just working on ourselves. So many of us like these days to work on ourselves and we find it empowering. We find it enriching and uh, harmonizing, but um, a lot of times we feel stuck, like there's only so much we can do and we, and we reach some sort of inner barrier and, then uh, mm -hmm. we call on the angels to help bring it all up to uh, a more potent wavelength or a deeper intensity. And uh, they do this and they make like the difference um, for breakthroughs to happen. And whereas if we just are calling on the angels and sort of asking them um, if from this kind of victimized mindset of, well, I can't really do anything myself. So, you know, I'm begging the angels to intervene. Um, that is not effective either. Whereas we combine the two of, of, uh, taking up our own, um, our own barra de poder, we call it in, uh, in, um, Spanish, our own, uh, our own wand of power in terms of directing our own perception and working on our own thoughts and also calling in the angels to help. This combination is extremely potent. And um, we, we get a lot of consolidated results and, and results like this I've seen in like I've had people come to me that have like a relative that's been kidnapped, held for ransom. And they were being getting calls from the kidnappers and eventually the kidnappers uh, just stopped calling. And so three months have gone by since they had last heard from the, the kidnappers or were able to listen to the voice of their loved ones. And like from a world um, perception that would be, uh, oh. that would look very desolate. And, uh, so mm -hmm. bringing in the angels and working on our own, uh, thought patterns and to open them up to divine intervention has made the people appear and be, uh, you know, they're, they end up being okay. And, um, this sort of experience I've had repeatedly through working with that, that combination. Wow. Oh, that's really exciting. Crystal, how can, how can people, connect with you if they'd like to learn more about what you do and that's really sweet um they can look for me on my facebook page which is crystal pomeroy with a c crystal with a uh, c author and healer and they can um read my monthly writings about astrology affirmative astrology with um and daily tips and uh quite a bit of that is actually available free on daykeeper journal daykeeperjournal.com and um, also my personal page that I mainly share in Spanish on because I have a, a pretty uh, broad um, base in Spanish and many connections in Spanish or on YouTube. We've got a little bit up there, not very much yet. Um, so just by my name and also uh, my website, which is crystalpomeroy.com, they can message me through there or through my Facebook page and, and that would be wonderful. Okay, that's awesome. For me, it was very significant for you to say that you don't have to know the angel's name who is responsible for certain things. Right. You can just like ask for protection or 
you know, or ask for what you need. And I think that's important because I know I can't remember oh, what a lot of them do. Oh, I see. Okay. That, I think that point is really important. I felt um, angelically guided to mention that. And we can build on that more if you like, because there are angels for everything. I mean, there are angels of love that will help harmonize um, the atmosphere of the home. I mean, you can just say that uh, each family has um, an angel that is mm-hmm. like the guardian for that family. And uh, we all have guardian angels too. And we can um, interact with through with people that are our loved ones or, or people that we have difficulty with or people that have moved on to the higher realm, we can interact with them through their guardian angel and through our own guardian angel. And, um, which is, which is a beautiful, a beautiful experience. And there are angels for protecting forests and there are angels of, um, naturopathy and there are angels of plant spirits that are healing. I mean, there are all kinds of angels. So, and there are angels for everything that help in every way. So you really don't need to know their names, although it's interesting to study the different kind of archetypal forces and their colors and so forth. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to limit it. Exactly. (laughs) Uh Right. Right. Oh, thank you so much, Crystal. I really, this has been a fun, thoughtful conversation. Um, I've really enjoyed it and, uh, Sure. I, I, it's been, um, really great for me. I, it's been very, very fulfilling to be able to connect with somebody like the, we conversed the, before the actual program, um, began to share that in the way that we mm-hmm. did. I mean, you, you have, um, I feel like there's so much resonance between us and that you gave me a lot of gifts for me. It was like a very exceptional really to, to meet you this way. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's I, great. I, I really felt like I could kind of let it all hang out with you and, um, and <laughs> that you were being open and, and, uh, spontaneous in that, in a similar manner It was very stimulating. And I think you're, you're just wonderful. You're, you're a tower of light. And as I said to you in the beginning of um, our conversation, when you said that you wished you had more tangible encounters, you are having them. I mean, through all these numbers that flow to you, it's very evident that you're having tangible encounters all the time. They're very much involved. You're not alone. They're right in there. I bet they're crowding in that valley with you using that circuit (laughs) that you make with your service of exploring different realms and empowering energy for people, which is so important right now with those gems there, their crystals and the amethyst. I mean, that is, that seems very powerful to me. And you are a lady of power with your Scorpio sun and your eight uh, number for your birthday. You, you're, you're a powerful circuit and the angels are very much with you. And if you, you might uh, consider starting to say, I, I give thanks for my tangible connections with angels in whatever way they're coming through. Just say that and they'll start to precipitate more. I will do that. Absolutely. Uh, Why wouldn't I want to? Well, I didn't mean, I don't mean to sound like I was telling you what to do. I just, it just came when you were saying that you were getting all these numbers coming up and I was like, wow, I mean, a lot of people would love to have them be coming up so often as you were having them and all the time. And I mean, it's just like you're getting these reiterated confirmations, tangible confirmations, because you're seeing them with your physical eyes, these numbers that they are reaching into your world. And so I would probably, if I wanted to have more tangible um, connections with angels, I would probably use that experience to say as like a mental kind of a hook or a mental anchor to to affirm uh, that I, I'm grateful for the continual tangible 
messages and, and presence of uh, from an angel and presence of angels in my world or something like that and that would certainly precipitate a lot more mm-hmm. experiences that are even more fulfilling mm-hmm. thank you so much i really like that uh yeah to anchor it i i think that's a great idea and i will i will be doing okay that. great thank you so much oh thank you podcast website is realjanine.com where you can listen to and download episodes and you can sign up for the Real Janine Occasional, it's become an occasional newsletter. Remember, Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Please subscribe to Keeping It Real with Janine through iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. Do you know anyone who can benefit from this conversation with Crystal Pomeroy? I'm sure you do. Please help us all out and share the love. Share with your family and friends and anyone who might benefit. Thanks for listening. Take care and be well.